of God, I pray that the Lord might touch you tonight in a mighty way. I pray the hand of God might direct us in what we're looking at. We're going back into the book of Titus. Tonight was in, uh, this morning we was in chapter 2. I'm going back to chapter 2. There's several things I could head on the book of Titus tonight. And I'm going to go back to some of the other things that I started with and didn't, didn't, didn't finish it. I got sidetracked and the Lord, I believe, was in that. And I appreciate what the Lord does. I want to be directed by the Holy Spirit of God. And when God just changes things, I just try to follow right along. Amen. Sometimes I don't have sense enough to know what it is. But finally, the Lord opens my eyes to see it. Amen. And you probably don't understand that. And you probably say amen, not knowing what what I'm talking about. But anyhow, amen. It's it's a thing. It's a hard thing to follow God with all your heart, isn't it? Amen. Somebody says, "Oh yeah, I do it all the time." Well, I don't. I have a problem with that. Amen. I I wonder sometimes of what God is in. I have to search my heart. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to change things. I want to stay with God on the Word, and the Word is what goes. I'm gonna preach on something tonight. I've preached on these things for a long, long time. Actually, about 50-something years. And it never goes over. It goes over like a lead balloon. And I know I preach these things tonight, and it'll go over your head, and you won't pay much attention to it, because that's what it's been doing for 50-something years. But I keep preaching it simply because sometimes it catches on. And sometimes they listen, don't they, Brother Burrow? Sometimes they'll catch somebody to catch it, so I just keep preaching it. And uh, so I, I, I take it like this. You ever seen a, a young mother feeding a child or a little boy or a little girl sitting at the table, put them in the uh, high chair, and uh, they'll take the baby food. I don't understand how they lo- love that, but I think they, they have to eat it because they're forced to. <laughs> you ever smelt and tasted the baby food? I have. I don't like it. Don't even like the smell of it. Again, I, I mean, they feed them little kids stuff like squash and stuff like that, and I don't even like that sometimes by itself, and I'm grown. You make them, they say, well, they need all that. Well, they may do it. Amen. But it'll, they'll grow up one of these days and quit eating it. All right. <laughs> you might have a, I do have a taste for squash, but it's uh, fried. I don't like it raw. Yeah, I, when I was growing up, they didn't put it in salads. And I don't like it stirred up to where I can't tell what's in it. But I like fried squash. And I'm up here trying to get you hungry. But I've seen that. And mothers will take them little kids and put that baby food in a spoon. Matter of fact, they'll put it in a little rubber spoon sometimes. I don't want to do that for her unless it's afraid they're going to hurt their mouth or something. But they'll stick it in there and that little old young enough. Run it out and it'll run down its chin. And mama stands there and picks it back up off the chin, puts it back in the mouth. And uh, she keeps doing that. She's refeeding. That's what I feel like I'm doing tonight. I'm poking it back in. I preached this stuff before. Amen. And I'm just trying to feed you. I'm trying to get you to grow in the Lord. All right. So let's look in the book of Titus and... Let's read, uh, well, we'll just read a few verses. We're not going to have time to get far. I just want to look at this. If we do, we can go on with it. 
But looking at chapter number two, I won't ask you to stand uh, tonight. We stood this, well, I will, since some of you stood, all right, we'll do it. I prefer you to stand, but uh, amen. In chapter two, verse one, it said, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. I'm going to get this right tonight. Nobody said amen to verse number two because I was talking about uh, the wrong verse. And uh, if I'd have thought about it this morning when that done that and I was talking about uh, making the male, the female or female what God is talking to the women, I'd have said, hey, look, praise God, I was just wanting to see if y'all caught it as an LGBT sermon. Amen. <laughs> but amen. You'll have to ask them what happened, Brother Burrell, this morning. But I, I was reading one, one verse and I commented on it and it was, amen, uh, what the women's supposed to do, and I mentioned it to the men. So I guess that, I don't know why I've done that. It could be the, the, the marvelous hand of God. Maybe he's searched out somebody in here that needed it. And I'm not accusing nobody of nothing. But let's go. He says in verse 2, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in the faith, in charity, in patience. Then he says in verse 3, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, Good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And then the third group he talks about, there's four groups there, but we'll just talk about the third one, I guess, about as far as we'll get. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded. Now, the word sober is mentioned in every one of those to some degree. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So you can be seated and let's pray together. And let's search this out tonight. Father, give us wisdom and understanding. Give us the Holy Ghost. May, Lord, we lift up and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ as you put this in the book. Lord, we thank you that we have the Word of God that we can go by and go with. And what will bless us and strengthen us and encourage us. But, Lord, I pray some of this might sink down into our heart. Lord, that you might let it get a hold of us. Uh, Lord, I pray today, and I know, Lord, you'll let it. But I pray, God, that we'll be at the place that it speaks to us and touches our heart. Lord, we're not standing here tonight to beat the air. Lord, we're not standing here tonight to be critical. We're standing here tonight, Lord, to exalt the Lord Jesus and show the people of God your word. Lord, all of us, are fail. we fail. We've, we're failures in lots of things. And I pray tonight, God, you'll... Open up our understanding to grasp and get these things, and we'll give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now I want to look at this. I said this this morning that there's many books in the Bible, especially the King James Bible. That's all I know about. I do know some of the things that's in the others that I don't like. Matter of fact, don't like any of them. But in the King James Bible, we'll find certain books in the Bible that tell us how to get saved. Amen, and I read them, I like them, I preach out of them. 
And all of them will tell you to some degree how to get saved. Amen? From Genesis to Revelation. But then there's other books that God has pinned down on the inspiration of God to tell us how to live after we get saved. And we're living in a time in our country, in a time that people say, I got saved and they never look for nothing else. They kind of got the idea that I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Nothing can stop me. And I say, thank God, that's right, if you got saved. But I want to tell you this, they never try to get out of primer or out of the primer a book. You know, the little primer. And then they never try to get very far in a Christian life. What if you had to had a child and you had to feed it baby food for 40 years? I believe you'd be hunting your doctor. Amen. And so we sometimes are on soup in the church house. We don't have no, we don't grow no teeth. We don't want nothing to upset our apple cart, but we're satisfied where we are. And we don't want the preacher doing anything to get us out of the mess that we're in. Now, these books that I say that God tells us how to live, they're usually the books that we ignore. They're the books that we won't read. And they're the books that we disagree with. And we go on our certain way and we don't care too much about the preacher preaching any of them. But they're there. And that's the reason today that our churches are so cold and dead and people are not getting saved. I'm glad they got saved. I praise God for it. And I want to tell you this. Some preachers will tell you if you do certain things, I can't see how in the world you're going uh, to heaven. And they just about preach you into hell. But I want to tell you something. I've read, read, uh, recognized in the Bible some that I would have thought went to hell, but I found out from the Word of God that they went to heaven. So just because you can say a cuss word every once in a while, amen, that don't mean you're going to hell. It sounds like you're talking like them. And uh, some will say, if you do this, you're going to hell. I want to tell you something. I don't denominations that believe if you don't do everything just straight and perfect, they'll teach preach you into hell. But I want to say tonight, there's a lot of people uh, don't, and the reason they do it is because they never get growed in, in grace in the grace of God. They never learn anything. They are satisfied. They go, you say, you say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to heaven, preacher. Well, all I can take is your word. I don't know where you are or not. I'm not going to preach you into hell, yeah. Amen. But if you're headed there, I'm trying to head you off at the pass. But I'll say this: the more you know about your Bible. And the more holy you become in God, and the more strength you get in the Lord, I'll guarantee you, you'll be better off. Amen. And your life will be good. Amen. And our churches are suffering today. They're dead. They're formalized. Uh, they're compromised. Amen. They've done everything but follow for God, for God. They're not growing. And every Christian tonight should read First and Second Timothy and Titus at least once a month. I'll promise you this if you'll do it. You probably won't, but I, I'm asking you. If you'll read First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus once a month, 
for a period of a year and see how much you can line up with what it's reading and saying to you. I'll guarantee you, you'll notice a change in your own life and everybody else will too. Would you say that, Brother Burrell? I know that. Because it's done so much. You see, I'm not talking about reading over it. I'm not talking about just reading it to say I read it. I'm talking about, Lord, do I fit this word? Does this word pattern itself in my life? I can't live perfect and you can't live perfect. But I'll guarantee you everybody in this building can live more perfect than what they are. You said, not me. Amen. Oh, I look to see if you're still here. Because you're not going to be perfect to get the glory. Amen. Well, let's look at this just a little bit. Uh, we, we just need to get it all right. Amen. We need to see the Word of God touch our lives, and everybody else needs to see God touch your life as well. We need to be a pattern of the Word of God to the world. Does the world look at you and me tonight and let the church be the example? Boy, the church is a real good one, isn't it? Can you tell the difference tonight up and down the country of people who know God and people that don't know God? If you come into church, you'll find them acting the same way they do out yonder. And out yonder, we find them acting the same thing as they do here. There should be a big difference tonight in our nation if we're as holy and consecrated as we think we are. Now let's go and look at this just a little bit. Verse number one. Paul is speaking to Titus. He's had two, I mean one other such as Titus. And that was Timothy. In verse number one, we find that Paul is giving Titus as he did Timothy. The words to say how to preach and what to preach. Somebody said, I don't believe anybody ought to tell the preacher. Listen, I believe God is in in order of telling the preacher what to preach. And you need to trust God for giving you what you need at the house of the Lord. In verse number one, Paul is trying to help Timothy and Titus, especially here in Titus. Now, I'm just going to give you a few things that he told Titus Because there's other things that I'm not going to cover tonight. I don't have time. Titus and all the other preachers are to preach and teach. Look in verse 1. They're to teach and preach things, the things, which become sound doctrine. Sometimes a preacher preaches and and it's sound doctrine, but you don't recognize it as sound doctrine. But he's supposed to preach what is sound doctrine or what will become sound doctrine. It's important we have the right doctrine. We'll talk about that in a minute. It's also important that we know what sound doctrine is. I touched on this a little bit this morning. A preacher that will preach that you lose your salvation is not a teacher that's preaching sound doctrine. A man that can tell you that salvation is by baptism, he's not preaching sound doctrine. And I said when the Jehovah's Witnesses come by and they want to have a little Bible study with you, uh, why do you already turn them away and don't have them? 
You probably like one of the fellows I had in the church one time. Uh, I preached on this same thing. I told you I've been preaching this for 50 something years. And uh, the Jehovah's Witness come around the, in the community knocking on doors. And it was funny that the, the, uh, the other folks, you know who I'm talking about? Huh? The Mormons, yeah. So the Mormons would come around. And I'd get up in the pulpit and I'd say, when they come to your door, you tell them you don't want to hear anything you got to say. Send them on down the road. Don't you bring them in and bid them Godspeed. And I thought that they'd handle that discreetly. So the next week, somebody come down to the fellow's house down the street from me. And knocked on his door, and he come to, when they, he went to the door to talk to them, he said, uh, who are you? And he said, we're the Mormons. He said, my preacher said to run you off and get you. I didn't say it like that. <laughs> he said, my preacher said to run you off. You was a cult, and I ain't got time to listen to you. He told me not to even hear you get. <laughs> and he's bragging about it. Well, I want to tell you something tonight. I don't believe you ought to take them in. They're cults. If a man teaches me something and tells me that Saturday is the Sabbath and we ought to keep the Sabbath along with it like the Seventh Day Adventists do, I say, don't listen to them. And if you do, you're accomplished to them. If somebody tells you tonight that you can get saved by joining the church... You know they're off on a limb. They're not, you can't find that in the Bible. They're false teachers. And so Paul is trying to tell Titus, make sure what they've got is sound doctrine. Amen. We'll look at that in just a minute, but I, I believe we need to do that today. We realize that sound doctrine is very important. My doctrine needs to be sound. Yours need to be sound. The word sound means whole. It means wholesome. It means in good condition. It means it's solid. It means there's no errors. And that means it's sound because the Word of God says it's sound. It's not because Mama says it is. Not because Daddy says it was. Not because somebody's portrayed it to be that way. But because God himself says it, we are to accept that tonight as sound doctrine. Amen. And we're to refuse anything else. So he comes down and gets into this thing and begins to teach it to us. You've got to have the right Bible to get the right doctrine. Amen. Amen. And right doctrine is no good to you unless you apply it. Amen. Once you know it's right doctrine... Then you need to line up with it and let it line up with you and you need to throw everything else out the door. Get rid of it. Amen. But instead, most folks don't want to get rid of it. They want to hang on to it. I found out in churches and pastoring all these churches down through the years that people want to hold on to the truth in one hand and they want to hold on to the world with the other. They want to 
They want to believe what some people say, but even though they don't believe it, they still want the Word of God. But you can't compromise. You've got to stay with the truth. Amen. Amen. Now the word doctrine means instruction. Amen. And teaching. That's what we are. We have teachings here. And instruction. Teaching and instruction. That's what doctrine is. You said, oh, preacher, uh, that's what we have. I ain't so sure we have the right kind. Well, you need to get that settled. I've been listening to a preacher, and uh, sometimes they snow me. But most of the time, I didn't pick out. You listen to them long, and you'll find out they're not up straight with you. They sound good. They look good. And if I was close enough, they'd probably smell good. You with me? But they're not good. They've got something else on their mind. Something else on their heart. And they build their big ministries on what they think and what they teach. Now doctrine, good doctrine, sound doctrine, straight got doctrine tonight, is going to be doctrine that is dominated by the word of the living God tonight. And then on top of that, it's not just teachings and instruction from some religion or some teacher. It's instruction and it in teaching from the word of the living God. Now keep that in your mind. It's important that you get this now. You said, well, it don't matter about the doctrine. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible said in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, and they continued, and they continued, that's something a lot of people don't know much about. They continued steadfastly. Steadfastly means you can't be budged off of it, you can't be bought off of it, you can't be moved from it. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Did you know that's what we practice in our church, that's what we're supposed to practice. We are supposed to preach and teach the apostles' doctrines. Now, they didn't have it all right for a long time, but they got it. Peter and Paul had problems. And Paul got Paul, uh, Peter straightened out. You remember I told you this morning, those disciples were not there at the cross but I believe when they went back again and tried that after Peter learned better, I didn't min- finish that. The Bible said after Jesus was showing himself uh, among the people for 40 more days before he went back to off the Mount of Olives, Peter got in a ship over there in the last chapter or two of the book of John. And he said, what are we going to do? And he says to himself, I go a fishing. And the other disciples said, we'll go too. You know why? He didn't know what to do. Why didn't he know what to do? He hadn't listened to the Lord. Because the Lord had already given him the commission, go into all parts of the world, preach, teach, and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Last chapter of Matthew tells that. And the other places too. So he's going back to fishing. But you remember the Lord told him to fish for men. And hence what he was going to do that time. Opposite of that was to fish 
for a fish. And the Lord appeared on the, on the shore. You remember that? Children, have you any meat? That's what he said. And he said, we fished all night, Lord. We ain't caught nothing. He said, put your ship or put your net on the right side. And Peter said, we've already done that. See, the disciples, they thought they knew better. But it wasn't long till the Lord straightened them out. They had fish on the fire. And Peter, of course, didn't have it all right. He's trying to mix the law in with grace. And Paul had to straighten that out. He confronted him in the book of Galatians and pinpointed it to him. And Paul let him know right quick, you're going to have to be a grace preacher. He got his instructions and finally got them right. And then God gave him a book to put down and pin down everything for you and I to understand. More than one. Two books. And he went on preaching the grace of God. But then we can look at something else here as we look at it tonight. We need to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In the book of Acts now. And we need to do that. How are we going to continue? When? We're going to continue 24 7. We're going to have to make sure our doctrine is right, that we're where we need to be, saints of God. We need to recognize that as a child of God and know that we're going to have to stay steadfast with that. That's 24 7. Do you know how long that is? Constant. Every day. Amen. Every hour. Amen. Of every day. Every day. Of every month. Every month. Of every year. And every year for as long as you live. We can't just spot this thing and serve God today. And serve the devil tomorrow. Work for God today. And run for the devil six months. This book has got to be real every single morning when you get up. Now, I'm getting to the introduction. I ain't going to get what I wanted to preach tonight. But I'm where I believe God wants us to be. You need to purpose right now in your heart that you're going to make the Word of God and its doctrines your doctrines. And make it your life. And make it your ministry. Everybody in here has got a ministry. I hear people talk about preachers got this ministry and got that ministry. Well, I ain't found in the word in, word in the word of God that you're exempt from it. Amen. The commission is not just to the preacher. It's not just to the church. Well, the church, if you want to put it as a whole, it's to everybody that's born again. People expect a preacher to win souls. And I try my best. They just don't give in. They hard to lasso. I wish it wasn't so. I remember when I could win some. But that don't stop me from going. That don't stop me to quit or make me quit. Now let me ask you this. How long has it been since you witnessed to somebody? Now you don't have to speak and talk about 15 I tried to win to God last week. That's good. I didn't. I wasn't trying to take a poll. Amen. I hope, I hope I missed that. I hope 
Somebody in here's witnessed at least 35 or 40 last week. I hope you get 50 tomorrow. But some of you hadn't went out and talked to somebody and told them about Jesus because you just don't have it in you to talk to them. There's something wrong with your life. Seriously. You're not exempt. You're not a 40, what is that? 401C, 20, what is it? 501C Christian. God didn't give you an exemption from that. If you're saved by the grace of God and you know you're saved by the grace of God, you ought to get you a Bible and go to find somebody and ask them, are they saved? Well, you said, I don't like what they tell me sometimes. I don't care. I don't want you. Know what? This ain't none of your business. You know what I tell them, don't you? It is my business. The Lord sent me to you. You said, He didn't send you. Oh, yeah. I get up in the morning and I say, Lord, send me somebody. I don't know where to go. I'm an ignoramus. I don't know who needs the gospel today. But I say, God, give me somebody to talk to. I ain't saying let me win them. I'll ask God to help me do it. But I'm kind of like I am when I come to church here. I don't know if you're going to get what I preach. But there's always a hope that you will. And I keep preaching it. And I go out and talk to people. You know, I talked to somebody the other day and he said, I'm not interested. I said, did you know that you're going to hell without God? He said, that ain't none of your business. I said, oh, yes, it is. God called me to preach. And he told me to go into parts of the, all parts of the world preaching, teaching. I've just... Yeah, your soul is... I said, you've got a soul that's going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. And it's my responsibility to remind you of that. And he said, I, mean, I'm, he said, I, ain't, I ain't listening to you. And he walked off. That's fine. That don't bother... Somebody said, oh, that would bother me. It does bother me. I've won, tried to win them to the Lord. I tried to tell them about Jesus. They didn't listen to me. Understand that? They didn't want to hear what I had to say. But I don't have to cram it down their throat. And all they can do is tell me to get away and I'll get away. I'm, I can't take a stick and knock it in their head. I can't touch their heart. The Holy Ghost has got to do that. But I don't want to stand before God and I didn't witness to them. And some of you had not witnessed to anybody in ages. Except those that you might could have talked to. But you just, isn't it amazing? You can talk about the football players and you can talk about the baseball players and you can talk about the politicians. You can talk about the president. You can talk about the preachers. You can talk about the churches. But you can't talk to a lost man or woman that's going to hell. That's right. Amen. Amen. And we need to learn to do that. You may not know how to talk to somebody. You know what? I don't either. Ever, sir, ever, I start to say, uh, ever person that I have witnessed to, whether it be a sir or a woman, I don't know what they need when I come in contact with them. I don't really know how to approach them because people are so different. The world is so diverse. Sometimes I caught myself the other day 
talking about talking to this fella, and I said something, are you saved? And he said, whoa, what are you talking about? But he didn't say words I could understand. I know it is another language. And I'm, just, I'm a trying my best to communicate with him. Have you been born again? And he's looking at me. And I'm saying, are you going to heaven when you die? And the only word he got was heaven. Yep, heaven. But I still didn't know how to talk to him. Amen. I, I have to mark them off. Or go learn their language one. And I see this all the time. But my problem is we can sit with... You see, you work with people. Maybe you've been working with some for 40 years. And you don't know the one that's working beside you on the other, other machine. Whether they're saved or not. Because you've never even thought about witnessing to them. You know the cashiers. Most, most of your places. You hadn't witnessed to them. I'll ask this... I, I don't want to put this girl on on the spot, but Isabella, do you get many people? You still over here at the? Yes. Do you get many people witness to you? No. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. We all rub shoulders of people that are going to hell without God. Mm. And you know what? We, and don't worry, you'll probably forget this when you get home. You'll hope you can, maybe. I'm going to pray God burn it down in your soul and uh, you'll be like them drunks I seen one time. Had sores all over their arms. I said, where'd you get that? He said, we got drunk last night and was burning cigarettes on our arm. I hope tonight you get some burnt places in your soul tonight and you know what happened. Amen. Holy Ghost got a hold of you. Alright? Now let's, let's look at something else. Now, Paul gives them about sound doctrine. He tells them about it. And let's look at something now tonight. And time's just about caught me and I ain't got where I want to be, but I never do that. Look at chapter 1 and verse 2. That the aged men, that's old men, not necessarily by age, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in just a minute, that the aged men be what? Sober. Amen. Grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. Or it didn't say and, but just said in patience. Now, would you help me count them? How many things is it there? One, they be sober. Two, grave. Three, temperate. Four, sound in faith. Five, in charity. And six, in patience. I believe if you did those things tonight, you'd be a pretty good old man. Now, if you men want to be good old men, I personally don't like the old part. But I'm sorry, I can't help it. But there's six things that Paul says to Timothy or Titus. I want you to preach this. He said in verse 1, preach those things which become sound doctrine. He didn't tell me to get up here and preach something that won't help you in your doctrine. 
He didn't tell Titus, just go tell him a joke and this and that, and it'll be all right. You tell them something that will make them have and grow and have sound doctrine coming out of their soul. You know, people knows if you've got sound doctrine. And the only time they get upset is when their doctrine don't agree with yours. Amen. You know why the Pentecostals get mad at me when I talk about losing your salvation? They don't agree with my doctrine. You know what my doctrine is? It's the doctrine of the Word of God. You know why they get upset tonight when I say I don't believe in speaking in tongues unless you've got an interpreter? They give me about 500 different verses that they misconstrued. Try to straighten me out. You see that all the time, don't you, brother? You can say what you want to, but I count the charismatics. I count those tonight that lose, say they lose their salvation. I don't understand what they're coming at now. They used to be the strongest people on the face of the earth as far as living right. Now they'll live any old way. They had to change their standard somewhere. I still hold what I held to 50 something years ago out of the Word of God. I'm holding to it stronger now than I did then. I'm sure you do too. Ain't that right, Brother Burl? You know why? I hadn't changed my mind. I ain't been bought out. I'm not preaching for the Baptists. I'm preaching for the Lord. Well, let's just look at this. He said that the aged men be sober. What's that mean? Well, somebody said, I know what it means, preacher. It means not drunk. That's right. But you automatically just think it's drunk on alcohol. That's what they seem to think. Now, I just say this. Just put put to the right terms, the aged men, and the reason he's talking about that, it's the aged men that ought to have better sense than the younger men. I'd like to think tonight that I'm a smarter cookie tonight than I was 40 years ago. Amen. Now, my boys, it took them a long time to learn some of that. They thought I was stupid and crazy and out of my mind when they was at the house and I'm trying to tell them they got to do this and can't do that. But after they got out and got on their own, they thought I ended up being a pretty smart cookie, I think. Sometimes the same things they say, I ain't so sure they've learned that. Now, am I right? Just stay with me a minute. But I want to tell you tonight that there's some things. It just means aged men means they're mature. They're grown up. You can be 30 years old and grown up, but you can also be a 30-year-old man and be a kid. I know some can't get out out of the rain. So age don't have anything to do that. It's how you mature in the Word of God. I've seen some men that have been 20, 25 years old and they're preachers and God called them to preach and I went and hear them and I hear them on on tape or whatever, I hear them on something and I say to myself, you know, I didn't know that when I was their age. And God's using them. 
You ever find somebody younger and you say, boy, they, they're smart in the Bible. Age ain't got nothing to do with it. It's how much you dig out of the Bible. It's how much you bury your head in that Bible. It's how much you soak up. And so here it says that the aged men be sober. That does mean not fooling around with alcohol, but it also means you can be drunk on other things. I know some men tonight, they're, they're drunk on the things of the world. A worldly man can't win people to God. A worldly man can't live for God. A worldly man can't tell people how to get from earth to heaven. If all's on your mind is activities and all's on your mind is your hobbies and all's on your mind is uh, cars and yeah. boats and uh, yeah. guns and everything else like that. I want to tell you, you're beating the wrong uh, post tonight. You've got to anchor your soul in the steadfast hope of your calling. Amen. Is this making sense? Yeah. I'm slowed down and I'm not going fast. I'm just telling you tonight, the aged men, I pray God fill this church with some aged men. Now I'm not talking about some who can talk like me and some people stand around and can't stand up. I'm talking about some young men that are aged in the Lord. <laughs> I went to a place to eat one day and Life is live then. We went, she loved to eat at the place called Cracker Barrel. Can't handle it now. I think it's served alcohol. I don't go to them places. But guess what? We'd go to them. She liked to, uh, she liked it. Everybody give her uh, gift cards. We'd go down there. And uh, she'd always, you know, I thought, what in the world? She, she goes down there and eats dumplings. Your baby eat dumplings anyhow, anywhere. And I wanted to, I'd always get me a steak, you know. And I looked on that little thing and it said a steak aged. I think it said 28 days. I thought, Lord have mercy. I wonder if it's rotten. <laughs> and aged must be supposed to be better. And I guess it is. I eat them. And I believe it applies here. God wants the men to be aged. I guess he wants you to be at least uh, preserved for at least 28 days. Make good, make good out of you. And so I'm looking at this tonight. He says sober. He's not drunk on the world. Sober just means that your mind is clear. Your heart's clear. And you've got clear thinking. Good men who love God know how to think on things right. You probably ain't never heard this before, have you, all this stuff. I've got into it a little different. Then he said that the aged men be sober, secondly, grave. That don't mean he's dead and in the grave. That word grave, if you'll look at it tonight, just simply means that he's at the place where he's, you know, honest. He has a good character about him. He's honorable. And he's serious-minded. I hear too many of us tonight, and the way we talk, we sound foolish. Amen. I catch myself sometimes saying, you didn't have no business saying that. Wasn't ugly, wasn't dirty. But it didn't give no glory to God. 
Saints of God, when we are thinking, our mind ought to be thinking on God 24-7. Get up in the morning with God on your mind. Go to bed at night with God on your mind. Work through the day with God on your mind. You're trying to quote Scripture, learn Scripture, teach people about the God of heaven. Yeah. I see some of y'all, you're over here like the old cash register. I just put that in oblivion. And I'll preach something else in a minute and you'll go. And won't give this no more thought. I've seen it roll off the shoulders of men and women for ages. I found out one thing in the Baptist church in this modern day, which is a world of time. The church needs to be here. But the church needs to be the church that God established. And we've left the marks of what God established for us to do. We've walked off from the standards. We walked away from the morals. We have nothing that stays with us that's true. People watch us wishy-washy. Up and down. In and out. Today we're on. Tomorrow we're off. They watched our character. They know how we treat somebody. We know how they treat us. And they look at all that. And sometimes we they can't find enough God about us to even label us as Christians. Must last heaven bound. I'm really concerned. I really am. You give the church ten more years. I noticed one of the churches right over here. I was trying to think what holiday we got besides... Uh, Thanksgiving. Is that about all we got right now? They didn't even have service tonight. Amen. And next week will be the weekend for Thanksgiving again. I guess they may have it again next week or this week. It's amazing how holidays change everything. Isn't it amazing that this country is so godly, loves God so much that we designate a day called Thanksgiving and most of them will never give any thanks but Thursday. I believe that ought to be a 24-7. I love the holiday of Thanksgiving better than any that they celebrate in all, all my years. But I don't like the way they do it now. Uh, you know who's the main feature of Thanksgiving now? Tom Turkey. Amen. Once you get up next Thursday and for all day long, you find you a place to pray, three or four places to pray, four or five places to pray, and you go from one place to another and get down and say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul, for redeeming me, for washing me in your blood, for giving me of my sin, giving me hope when I didn't have no hope, giving me something I never had before. Get up from there and go, go repeat it over there. You said, I'll act like an idiot. Well, Amen. I've been acting like one all my life. It won't hurt you. Amen. I give thanks to God every day. Amen. I thank Him when the day is over, I lay down and I say, Lord, I thought this hour wasn't going to get here. I need this rest. I get up in the morning. You know what I say every morning uh, when I get up? I say, Good morning, world. Thank you for being here.
I said, thank you, Lord, right behind that, for allowing me to be here. I'm already tired. When I get out of here, I'm going home. I'm going to lay down and I'm going to say, good night, world. Thank you for the hope and the help you've given me today, Lord. Keep me safe while I sleep. And then the rest of the night, he listens to me snore. I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you tonight what I'm preaching is right. He said that the aged men be sober, grave. Grave means that we ought to be at the place that we're honest, good character, that we're honorable, that we're serious-minded. I'll get one more. At least I'm saving me some more preaching. I don't like, Brother Burl, I don't like to run out of anything preached to you. So far I hadn't. But I heard a feller tell me the other day, he said, I about preached everything I know. I said, then you need to go study and learn some more. He didn't like it. But he did say, you're right, preacher. I've been there. For many years I... Studied and studied and studied and studied. You know what I was doing? I was trying to find a message. I read sermon outline after sermon outline. I read from every preacher I could find. And I jotted down outlines when I got to church. I got them outlines and never preached them. I've come to church on many a Sunday night. Didn't have anything to preach. And I was concerned about it. But when I finally dumped all that stuff and said, Lord, if there's something you won't preach, put it on my heart. And I've come to the church lots of times with nothing. And I've got up. Brother, bro, you've done that, haven't you? Got up. Opened my Bible. Something that the Lord just gave me one little thought. One little thought. Out of one part of a little verse. Might have been one word. Might have been two words. Might have been a sentence. It might have been a half a sentence. And all I said when I got up is, Lord, give me something. I said, I'm running on fumes. I was in instant in season and out of season, but... I didn't know what I was going to do when I was in season. And I didn't know what I was going to do in an out of season. But God's give a message. Just like he's done tonight. This has changed from what I came to preach tonight. Just like this morning. God knows who's going to be here. God knows what you need. And I pray God you spread it like peanut butter on their brain and mind. And soul. Well, preacher, I don't like all your illustrations. That's all right. Write your own. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate. What's temperate mean? It means to be in control of one's senses. It usually does with to be temperate means that you refrain yourselves from certain things. Temperate means that you... Want to have self-control. Preacher, I would quit doing that. 
but I just can't seem to get control of it. Preacher, I can't have it. I got it from my mama. Preacher, I can't have it. I learned this from my daddy. Quit blaming everybody. The Lord didn't say you had to do it just for the next time. That's what He said. All you got to worry about is today. You said, but what about tomorrow? Well, you may not have a tomorrow. And when you get up in the morning, say, Lord, I need your help again today. That's what I do. You can quit some old sin or something you're doing, some old bad habits you got. You just have to get rid of it one time after each time. Maybe I didn't get that plain. Maybe you don't understand that. You said, preacher, I just can't give up smoking. Well, all you got to do, just don't take the next cigarette. Now you got that far, haven't you? Next time the craving comes in, just refrain that one. Next time you want to talk about somebody, just refrain from that. And next time it gets on you to do it again, just refrain from that. If you'll teach yourself that with the Word of God, get you a Bible verse somewhere that's against all that stuff, and quote that thing, and quote the you'll never get rid of the old habits if you don't use the Word of God to get rid of it for you. Well, preacher, I kind of decided that what I need to do, I can quit that smoking, and uh, I'm thinking about tomorrow. So I think I'll just... Cut it off a little bit at a time. No, just make up your mind you're not going to do it again. Somebody said, I smoked a pack and a half. And now I cut down to a pack. And after a few weeks, I'm going to cut down to half a pack. And something's going to happen. You'll stump your toe. Somebody's going to jump on you. And you'll be back to two packs a day. Because you can't get rid of them. Because you're not willing to get rid of them. You're not temperate. You don't have control of your body. You don't have control of your mind. You don't have control of your Only God can stop that stuff in your life. Old fellow told me, he said, I can, I, I, I can quit smoking. He said, uh, I just cut down. I said, that's like making your dog without a tail by cutting an inch off every day. That hurts that dog. You're going to put him through a lot of pain. I'll just quit drinking a little bit. I'll just cut it down. Amen. Well, I'm going to jump down on something here, and I'm going to quit. Because I'm not going to get very far, and I don't give you a load enough tonight to worry about. You said, didn't bother me none. You done turned it off, have you? Look what it says in verse 3. Talked about the aged women. And down there is one little place that says, Not given to much wine. You want me to tell you how to help yourself with that? I'm not going to tell you what to do. I could do it, but you wouldn't understand it and you wouldn't listen. Best thing to do, just don't take no wine. Amen. Because it said... Not much wine. That means you can drink. No, it don't either. I'll give you this. 
I'll tell you something about this. Let's see what, a, what it is. I'll give you this. According to Luke chapter... Well, let's see. Let me get down here. No, according to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 31 through 32, it said, Look not thou upon the wine when it's red. When it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright, at the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. That ought to be enough. But it says uh, not much wine. If I explain to you the difference in these wines that's in here, you wouldn't believe that. Just like you're not going to believe what I tell you here. Proverbs 20 verse 1 said, Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. So to stay out of trouble, the best thing to do is just don't drink none of it. I didn't get down to there. I thought I'd get on down. And uh, I, I, got, I, I wanted to go out of here tonight talking to the men and the women. And that's the only way I know I can get both. <laughs> Jump ahead and get. All right. I'm going to come back and finish this message, but not tonight. Appreciate you coming. I believe it'll help you if you'll do what I tell you. Matter of fact, I don't just believe that. I know that. If you honor the word of God, God will always honor you. God is always right. God is always first. And God will always get the last word. The problem is, we think we know more about our lives than God does. It's bad.